we're starting a new section, still all under unity, of course. Um, we talked about some of the abuses that they've had, and we could probably file this under that, that same topic. Um, but we're going to be talking about, over the next uh, three chapters, the use and the misuse of liberty, which is itself an abuse uh, that uh, kind of works against the unity of this congregation. So um, we're going to read uh, kind of a lot of this is around this, this topic uh, in 8 and then again in 10. Which is now off, uh, concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing as he should know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. Even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is just one, God the Father, whom are all things, and Lord Jesus Christ, whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that same knowledge. For some, with the consciousness of the idol, until now, they still eat it as a thing sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, otherwise this liberality of yours, uh, or this liberty of yours, may become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat the things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall, should the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But then, you sin, uh, when you sin against the brethren and wound a weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food, uh, if food offends my brother, I will never eat meat, so that I do not make my brother stumble. So I want to talk about the role of knowledge first. Does Paul suggest here um, that what is known should be abandoned? Leading question. Is knowledge bad? It depends on what kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Is it the knowledge of the world? Mm-hmm. Or the knowledge of God. Okay. Okay. That that that's certainly an important question. You're free. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's some, some good things that, that would be good to forget, sure. Uh, within the context of the things that, that he's talking about, the things that he says we know, uh, are those things bad? So I, I think I always go back to Solomon from the work we talked about knowledge. Okay. What he tried to do. And knowledge for the sake of knowing things okay. is worthless. Okay. Knowledge for trying to be better and build others up and to, you know, to try to do better every day, that's fine. But okay. for, the, for the sake of just knowing things and, mm. and building yourself up, that's... that's okay, it's that's pointless. All right. Now, <clears throat> what knowledge is he talking about specifically? Maybe we should jump down to that. That's later in my notes, but let's, back, let, let's maybe do things out of order of my notes because maybe there's a better order to do it in. What knowledge is he referencing? 
Okay, so that's certainly a good knowledge. That's a good in- piece of information to know. But some of the Gentiles of Corinth are used to lots of God. Yep, okay, so he says, he's like, they have a different understanding of God. Um, so, so certainly the correct definition of God is an important thing to know. And they had certain rituals, probably for each and every one of them. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yep. Different in different temples. <laughs> um, can't sacrifice to Zeus in an Athena temple. <laughs> that just won't go. <laughs> this one like no, they don't like each other. So they try to kill each other. Um, so, so, so there's one thing: um, the right definition of God. So he's, that's certainly not something that he's saying. Well, that we don't need it. Um, what other pieces of knowledge are are stated in here? Okay, here's another one. Now, these are all true things. Everything we're stating here are true pieces of information. Idols aren't really anything. Right? It's like, uh, was it... Uh, I can't remember if that. I think it's Isaiah. Uh, it's like you cut down a piece of wood, you uh, burn half of it in the fire to make your bread, and the other you shape and bow down to it. That's not really highly logical. Right? A idol really is nothing in the world. I mean, it's a it's an existing thing, but it's really nothing. Right? It represents nothing other than your own imagination. So that's an accurate piece of information. Katie told the story about um, being in Taiwan and you know walking down the street and seeing God makers, you know, and well, making your gods, and that doesn't really strike them as odd. You're making a god. You're obviously more capable than the god that you're making. Um, Meat sacrificed to idols is not wrong. That's another piece of information here. It's kind of the piece of information that all of this surrounds. Now, let's look at that for just a second. Is that true? Is that true? They're not truly a god. Okay. So it's just food. It's just meat burnt in front of a piece of wood when we come down to it. Right? That's the reality of the situation. Now, there are verses. Now, this gets into the weeds a little bit because there are verses that, that seem to suggest that that's not true. There, there are verses in the New Testament which you can have a conflict over. And we have to take all the verses together and figure out what they mean. Remember in Acts chapter 15. There's a letter sent out. And he says, uh, If you avoid these things, you will do well. And one of those things is eating meat sacrificed to idols. Like, well, wait a minute. Back there, the apostles got together and decided this was something that they shouldn't do. Excuse me. My throat is dry. There's also another set of verses where if you go into the marketplace and 
Okay. You know, you don't know that a meat, piece of meat was mm. sacrificed on that old, then that's fine. You know, but if somebody specifically says, you know, this was sacrificed All right. to so and so God, then don't violate. Your okay, body. so now you're getting into chapter ten, and at chapter ten, Sorry. no, it's okay. No, that's fine. I was, I had that in my notes. <laughs> Okay, and I think you're right on it here. I think, um, I don't think he's saying in those other places that there's a sin inherent in the sacrificing to an idol, because this one verse here sits at the center of it. Uh, so first, I'm just going to read First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 um, a little bit. Um, I'm not going to do the whole text here. But he says, uh, in verse 21, he says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Right? And so there's, some people say, well, you can't do it. You can't. That says you can't. And so, Paul in... Chapter 8 seems to be at odds with Paul, who wrote probably in the space of, you know, a half an hour, <laughs> this next little bit here. Uh, did he forget then what he wrote a half an hour earlier? Uh, or dictated or whatever? No, of course not. So we have to kind of figure out how all these verses go together. Well, there's the, the one passage where it says, um, if we need to set before you, uh, right. I'm not Right, that's that's what Mark was citing, and and that's all in this these these same that's I believe in the same chapter. That's why I wasn't going to go into. We'll get to chapter ten in a second. We're just trying to figure out how these all work together. It, it has to. Be, if you, it's I think mainly starting in seven that he's talking about your interpersonal relationships right. at that point, mm-hmm. and. The, the differing levels of understanding between members. Right. Because not everybody's at the same place of understanding. Right. And just because you know and you fully understand, like, this is just a piece of wood or a piece of metal, it's nothing. There's nothing there. Okay. This meat's fine. But to somebody else who is either new or does not understand as much and they see that you do this, and they think, oh, okay, well, we're going to incorporate that in, in, into worship for. You know, this this idol is okay because there are meat that was sacrificed to it or something like that. It's that interpersonal relationship where one person who knows it's nothing is influencing somebody else to do something that their conscience is not okay with. Okay. So, go, go back to an illustration. Uh, Katie's family in Taiwan, they would, uh, her mother, and I'm probably going to mess up the story, but would have this situation where someone would pass away and uh, they would have all their stuff and if I remember correctly they they tear the house down over the stuff (coughs) ancestor worship and and that's all into their gods and the worship of their gods and you kind of die and become a god I guess you work your way up you get a promotion when you die so uh, that stuff now belongs to you and your ancestors Uh, but there was this weird thing where they would you know they knew that Katie's family didn't have this, and Katie's mom is like the second-hand queen. Um, 
and she should have her own reality TV show. But um, so they would say, well, "Why don't you go into the house and take what you want?" It's it's not gonna like somehow their thing didn't apply to them. <laughs> like they could go in and take some yeah, nice furniture and you know stuff like that. That, but for us, we can't we can't do this. So that's like you know we're insulting our. Allowing you to take it doesn't insult the, the ancestors, but us, if we do it, it does. And, and there's this, it's kind of a similar idea, not exactly, but where for you, it's not wrong. And, and then yet for some other people, they, they feel it's wrong. I mean, they just can't do it. And so he's not saying here, I, I don't believe that, that the, the doing of the thing, that the eating of the meat is wrong. It's not really an idol. It's just food. It's it's no different. You you you, set, you burnt it in front of this. It didn't change the substance of the meat. Yeah. It, it goes back to what Jesus said. It's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. And going back to all the different food laws and stuff that the Jews had, and, you know, whenever he was talking about that. But this still ties into this. It's food. Okay. So it's so a we. Of conscience more. Okay. So now that we have all of the kind of the idea of what knowledge he's talking about, all of these things are true, and at some point, all of these things are important. We back up, and he says, but knowledge puffs up. These are all true. They're all necessary to know. But he says, knowledge puffs up. And so we have to get the idea of the role of knowledge and what is he trying to accomplish. Knowledge is obviously not bad. Even the knowledge of these things in this specific situation. But when you try to force your personal beliefs onto someone else, that's where it can be wrong. In liberties, yes. Right? There's going to come a point where we have to say, listen, this is the definition of God. That's one of those pieces of information. Not that I'm forcing it on you, but I'm, I'm not going to go, well, you know, that's your opinion. Right? God is God. That, that's today holidays. Yeah. Certain people mm. put more emphasis on You've been reading my notes. <laughs> yes, we're going to get to that. I mean, if... Again, going back into the context of who you're into, these people are struggling to get out of the idol worship mentality. Okay. They are surrounded by mm. idol worship. Yep. So trying to even subtly drag somebody back into or push right. them towards idol worship again in any way, shape, or form, it's like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't push anybody back towards that. You're trying really hard to get out of that culture, and it's all around you. Now that's, so he's... Yeah, it's, Probably has something to do with it, I think, at least. Mm-hmm. Can you run it? Hold water. Being, not being a so you, you know that you can do it and it doesn't bother your conscience if you can cause a weak person to do Okay, and that's... So it all comes down to unity, and I want to I get into how this affects unity. What is knowledge good for? What What is knowledge good for? Just in and of itself... 
Okay, to identify things. Okay. Yeah. Wisdom. Being right. Like to be right? I like to be right. Knowledge is good to be right. Um, and knowledge, however, is one of the poorest tools in your toolbox to promote unity. What is the tool here that he identifies for that? Knowledge is a hammer. It is. Hammer is a good tool. When it's used as a hammer. And, and when you need a hammer. Love edifies. That's the goal. He's, he's saying, okay, the being right is, is an important aspect of all this, and we're going to come to the point where we have to be right. He's not saying being right is not necessary. But he's just saying that's not going to accomplish what you guys need right now, which is the edification, the building up of one another. Uh, so edification is a big word. You know what an edifice is, right? Same word. It, it's, a, it's a roof over. Uh, it means to support something, which you can all get under the same thing together. That's what an edifice is. So edification is building up something where we can all be together. Right? If you think of it that way, God's saying, we've got to have a space somewhere. We're going to have to get together and build this. And, and knowledge isn't going to build that. Knowledge is going to identify things that are important under there. Well, we can't have all different beliefs and, and, and have unity. That, that's not going to work. But the building of that is going to be done through love. Uh, so, so he's just identifying, I think, really, he's identifying tools. In verse 2, he says something interesting. He says, if anyone thinks he knows anything but knows nothing... At, uh, then, or he really knows nothing as he ought to know. Um, kind of an odd statement. Is it possible? Is he talking literally here? If you, if you think you know something, then you don't. Is that true? Not exactly. Eh. Yeah. If you're focusing on knowledge, what are you missing? You're missing love. What he's saying is, if you're focused on what you know and how smart you are and how right you are, you are missing the most important thing you can know. And that is, you are missing to know how to love. I was just going to say, if you can step back even from that and realize that God is love. Mm-hmm. And in that focus, mm -hmm. what draws us to God? He loves us. Mm -hmm. In that purpose, we can forget that we are not the center of our world right. anymore. Mm -hmm. We are God-centered. Mm -hmm. And in being God-centered, you love people. You yeah. like people. Yeah. You only launch from the platform. 
God determined was right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And if everybody is focused on that instead of on ourselves and on our own feelings, beliefs, insults, injuries, all that, if we can remove that from our life, and that's our goal, mm-hmm. and it's not easy. And to say that anybody perfects that in a lifetime will be lying. Yeah. But if all of us are looking to God and love, is the center of our worship and our existence, then that helps unify all of us. Mm-hmm. And we can forgive each other of our imperfections and our stumblings and our insults and our all the other aspects of being human. Right. If we put God really truly at the center of our life mm-hmm. and love. Yeah. Very good thought. Okay, I, I, I've got a couple of illustrations. I want to establish just a, uh, well, maybe maybe not here, now that I've screwed up the order of my notes here. Uh, we might be there. Um, here we go. Um, it's difficult, because we don't have things sacrificed to idols. We don't have temples... Um, where we go down and, and worship Zeus anymore. Right? That's not a thing. God has fortunately, and Christ has fortunately gone, that doesn't exist anymore. I've taken that out of society, at least in our society. Mark. I, there's, there's one, I think, modern example, okay. example that, that applies to us, okay. especially in this city. All right. Um, you look at the whether alcohol is okay or not. Okay, there's one. And sure. To some people, it's fine, and and that's you know, there's it's kind of a gray area whenever he talks about that. If it's okay for you, then it's okay. If it's not okay for you, it's not okay. Okay. But you could still go down the same path sure. of causing a brother to sin by pronouns. Oh yeah, it's fine. And if they're an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic mm-hmm. or something like that, or prone to alcohol, yes, then you're leading them down a very dark path. Okay. Espousing what's okay for you. But not really okay, and the book of Romans does use that as an example. That does make application to that. Uh, it talks about drinking wine, or he adds that to the list here, uh, what is not covered in, in 1 Corinthians. So, uh, I don't know if there's a different culture in Rome, or in the Rome church that's not here, or if he just randomly, like, I like to use different illustrations when I write, I don't know <laughs> what he was doing, but... Um, so, so there's one. We're gonna actually. That's in my notes as well. Sorry. Um, no, that's good. Bring it up. Um, there's one. I think depending on where you were raised, uh, and and the culture in which you were raised, and the time in which you were raised, you might have had experience with. And um, Halloween. Mm-hmm. I grew up. Pagan holiday. Right? Now, again, depending on where you're at, that fell that was just one in a category. Christmas was no no where I grew up. And and some people might have been okay with it, or this one or that one, and some people their churches didn't have a problem with any of it, and um <clears throat> so uh, that was probably, to me, the, the, the closest thing I could, I could come up with. Uh, I'm sure there's other examples. So I want to illustrate this a little bit. We know 
where it comes from, right? Knowledge. I know where it comes from. I'm a researcher. I, I, I like to know where things come from. And I'm familiar with the Celtic and Druidic backgrounds and all that stuff. And Okay, that's pretty awful stuff. I mean, you're getting into human sacrifice and you're getting into some pretty nasty stuff, really, if you want to go back. Um, so we, we understand that certain things are inappropriate. Right? Do we do that today? No. I know that we don't do that today. The things that they did. Yet, um, I can see different categories of things. Right? I can say, okay, on one hand, we don't practice these things. Uh, however, I can see things where they would be kind of like what, what Paul is talking about in, in chapter 10, where it's like, listen, you don't participate with, you, you can't drink the cup of the table of demons and you can't, and then turn around and, and be connected with me. There are things in there you can't have connection with, period. Right? <laughs> you can't go down, I don't care if there's an idol means something or not an idol means something, whatever. You can't go down to their worship and involve yourself in idol worship and come home and say, well, it doesn't mean anything. You can't do that. <laughs> That's forbidden. And when you look at Halloween, there are things that you cannot participate with as a Christian, period. I'm just going to tell you. There are elements that scream out Satan. And it's gotten worse. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't see what the fuss was about. I mean, it was just like, you know, okay, dress up as E.T. or something. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, go go ask go ask complete strangers for candy. What's the deal? It has gotten more and more and more macabre. It is just flat out gross. Most of this year, huh? I could not, I mean, count houses that had full figures in seances in their front. Uh, it's nasty. Yeah, yeah. This is not. It's not a good trend. You're right. And there are things and there's imagery that is just not. To be connected with Christ in any way. Okay, so, so there's that. That's like chapter 10. <laughs> That's where we're at in chapter 10. And then there's this, this... But we know that that's not really a thing. That's just a circle with a, a weird star inside of it. Right? I, I know that. Okay, I know that. But I'm still not going to be connected with something that looks like it's honoring and glorifying Satan. On the other hand... We do something here on a day that gives no homage whatsoever to Satan. Same day. It's candy. Okay, candy's not wrong. But to make sure that it has no absolute connection, right? And so it, it, it's between kind of these, these things. We're making sure that it has no connection. And that, to me, is the difference, right? Now, some people concluded that, when I grew up, that no connection, no matter how far, is, is good. In other words, on Christmas, 
you couldn't even sing a song about Christ's birth. Say what? Yes. Because you were being connected <laughs> to something in a pagan holiday. So I, I knew people, they had what was called a special day. Um, because they didn't celebrate Christmas. I mean, there were, it was like, there were people in our church, I swear, would have gone to work on Sunday the 25th if it could mean making sure the world knew that we weren't connected <laughs> to Christmas. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to enjoy this vacation. Um, and so... so everybody had another birthday. It was six months removed from your actual birthday. And they would celebrate that in place of just because we weren't going to have any connection. And I think that's not what Paul's driving at. Okay? I don't think that's where Paul is trying to get people to. And Paul is trying to get people to unity. Making sure that along the way we don't just say, well, uh, we, can, we can do what we want. Um, or on the other, I don't care what you want. Or we, we got to get people together, and and do so in a way that still allows people to live. And so he talks about the identity of God, and he talks about some things that are important. All these things, he goes through the list of things that we discussed that are important at some point. Um, So I want to look at how we, I want to get into offending the brother. Um, I think there are, when we talk about offending the brother, there's four things in this passage that he identifies as important. Because he's trying to make unity. If we do not do these right, we're going to throw it in disunity going the other way. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Um, we can try to promote unity in such a way that we, we now make a problem for the other group of people. This is the problem. If you lean too far to one side to make one side come into the group, then, then you can kind of kick out people out the other side. And that... <laughs> It's got to be big enough, a big tent, I always say. It's got to be a tent big enough for everybody um, to be unified under. Now, um, I say this because it's kind of a, it's, in not, it's a word not in most of your versions, but it does come up. And we have to talk about the word offense. That's an important word. Words, English words particularly change meaning. So we have this word offense uh, in verse 13, if you're in King James, and probably most of you say stumble, which is the, the better thing. But a shift in language gives us a different perspective, and, and probably a lot of us grew up memorizing the King James anyway. And so we have this word offense in our kind of back here somewhere. Let's talk about being offended. What does it mean to be offended? Have your feelings hurt? Mm. Kind of okay. Away. Okay. So, so it it has to do with my emotional state. That that common usage. 
And in our world, being offended is a noble trait. And it's true. Now here, it's not spoken of as, as being a noble trait. It's something to try to figure out a way around and eliminate it. But in our world, you get credit for being offended. It gives you attention. Um, it shows how superior you are, that you can be offended. Uh, I saw a video. <laughs> it's a very satirical group of videos, but I want to guess it. You too can be gluten intolerant. <laughs> the more things you can be intolerant of, you know, it, and it just like all the things that people love to be intolerant of. Uh, entitlements come with it, right? You have an emotional. <sighs> now people need to affirm your emotions, and, and people need to change their behaviors around your emotions. Right? This is this is. I mean, there's all sorts of wonderful entitlements that come with being offended. And offense in the Bible has nothing to do with any of it. That's not what it's about. So as we're looking at the list of, of things that, okay, we're going to create unity, the first and most important thing to me is to understand what offense means. Because if we're trying to create unity by avoiding offense, and we're avoiding the wrong thing, and God says, I really never really cared about that, well, we're off on the wrong we're we're off on the wrong step. We're completely in the wrong direction. The biblical word is the word scandalize. What? Hence the word scandalize. What's a scandal? Well, it's a thing you get caught in, right? You read the news. So-and-so is caught in a scandal. It means a trap. There's a, a stick that you would... And someone was caught in a trap. Yeah, this has nothing to do with hurting somebody's feelings. It has right. everything to do with making sure not to send or have their soul go to hell where it okay. should have been. All right. You know, it's, it has to do with somebody else's either salvation or... Falling into sin or something like that it has nothing to do with. Okay, so so the idea is here is not to tempt your brother to do something that he is going to be feeling caught into doing. So the English concept or a common English modern concept is completely opposite of the Bible. Back then, it was something to be avoided. Now. It's something to be encouraged. Be offended. The offense that Paul speaks of uh, was interesting because it was causing people to engage in a sinful practice. But when you think about the things that people are offended by, they have no temptation whatsoever to do. Right? We talk about alcohol. Right. This this comes up. Now, I am offended. I've talked about my past. I've talked about that. I don't like it. I think it smells. My nose is offended. 
there are times, because of the way I was raised, I look at people, I go in, and they, they got the bottle there, and it's like, that's my gut reaction. It's my gut reaction. I've grown. But there was a time where that was hard. No, I have zero inclination. It's never, ever, ever going to happen. I can't smell the stuff. I don't like it. I don't care how offended I am. I'm not tempted by it. And that's the idea. The things that people say they're offended at, they have no interest in participating in. And so if that's the case, then we have to first understand what offense is. Weaker. Let's talk about the word weaker. What is and who is the weaker brother here? Who's the weaker brother? (laughs) You're getting stronger, though. You're getting stronger. Okay, the lack of knowledge. Okay, I'm going to say this a different way. He's the wrong one. You ever notice that? People who jump on 1 Corinthians 8, who are offended, and want you to change your behavior around them, they want the benefit of being called the stronger brother, because they're right. Right? But they want the benefit of you responding to them as though they're wrong. But they don't want to be called wrong. Are you wrong? No. Oh. Wait a minute. Okay. I'll go with, along with your offended if you admit you're wrong. You going to admit you're wrong? No. Oh, then you must be the stronger brother. You see how that works? It's a little catch-22. This is for the purpose of building up the person who is wrong and getting them to the point where they can be right in love, not with the hammer. And so often, offended is used by people who aren't offended, not biblically. So, those are the two major ones. Talking about who is offended and talking about who is weaker. That's important. I've had people all high and mighty march into church and they've had something under a visitor or whatever and and they're from this college or that thing and and up, out. Why? We did something that was, uh, we did something that they were offended by. And and, and it was like, there's one guy in particular and he was like, well, you could change that for the weaker brother. I'm like, but you're right. So you're not the weaker brother. You can change for me. If I'm wrong, you change for me. And I had no interest. In the literal sense, like for those of us that are very direct yeah. and think we may be sounding loving, uh-huh. and it doesn't go as planned, uh-huh. I, I, like I, very kindergarten level, what does saying truth and love look like? Okay. So, so that, um, the idea here is, first of all, I'm kind of speaking 
a little sarcastically because we're all a little bit more mature. Right? I would not have this conversation with most people this way. If we're having this conversation on some of the topics that we've, that we've uh, talked about, I first of all remove us from a situation where it's at all public. Because that, that's when emotions get going. Because you feel you have to be something in public. Um, but I, I think a conversation is where it starts, not, not a soliloquy, not, not a contest. You know, that, that to me, people, I think, can feel your concern. If, if, I'm, if I'm in public, I, I, I'm trying to state a point and I'm trying to, you know, show how smart I am. And that's the whole problem here. I think you can also try to understand what the other person believes and thinks mm-hmm. so that it is more of a conversation, not an accusation. Correct. Yep. And I think listening, I think simply listening to people uh, goes a long way. It has sometimes more value than saying anything. Because the fight we're up against is you can do all those things, and if you're not in absolute total acceptance with whatever they mm. feel, yeah. the arrows thrown right. at you are, you're not coming at me in love. Right. And the thing for me, because I am a direct person, when I know I've taken the time to do right. those things, that it... Okay. So there's always ways you can go back and say, well, should I have said that or not? Or maybe next time I wouldn't lead with that argument or various things like that. Uh, we're about out of time. So um, um, we're not even through my notes here, but um, I, I think people there's people that you're not going to make happy. No matter what you do, no matter what your tactic is, um, you're just you're just not going to be able to edify them because they don't want to be edified. They want to be offended, and you've got to know when to accept that reality. See, I, I like to conquer. I'm a conquering person, and I like to win conversations. And I I don't like to feel like I left a conversation and ah they just didn't get it. Well, they don't want to get it. And I, I, I've learned to give that one up. I'm like, I did my best. Sometimes it takes you a while to process what's being said. Yes. And come to the realization that maybe it wasn't Yeah. And that's very hard. That's, that's the other thing, too, is, is listening because they, they might say something that in time, I mean, there are conversations I had and all that self-righteous, I'm like, <laughs> that 20 years later I have a slightly different perspective, you know, on Things like Halloween or Christmas or makeup and jewelry or alcohol or <laughs> I could go down the list of things that I was very adamant about. Um, and you know, it would have been better to pump the brakes for about 20 years <laughs> so, uh, because I have learned from other people. So, we're out of time. So thank you for your thoughts. <laughs>